Hello guys, Jonathan here from Arcade Repair Tips. We would just like to take a moment and thank you for listening to the audio replay of the live show here on the podcast feed. We'd also like to remind you to join our live show on the first Thursday night of every month at 5.30 p.m. Central Time. It's always a great time and we enjoy interacting with people just like you in our live chat. So be sure to make plans to be there for the next one. Remember also that we have an after show that takes place immediately after the live show. And if you'd like to listen to the audio from that, you will need to check it out on our YouTube page, which can be found at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. So let us continue on with a short word from our sponsor, and then we'll get to the episode. Broadcasting from their world headquarters in Texas, it's the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show. The show that discusses arcade repair, restoration, news, and more. Now, here are your hosts, Tim and Jonathan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to uh, the Arcade Repair Tips Live Show for July 2023, Episode 77. My name is Jonathan Leung. I'm the producer, director, and editor here at the Arcade Repair Tips video series. And joining me today, as always, is Mr. Arcade Repair Tips himself, Tim Peterson. Tim, how are you doing? Well, if I was a chocolate bar, I'd be melted. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad uh, that I'm uh, inside right now. I, don't, I see these construction workers working outside. We have had some early summer heat this year. It feels kind of like August or something already, but it is July already, which is a shock. It's like summer's almost halfway over, and it feels like it just got started. So thank you guys for being with us tonight. Uh, I know that uh, 77 episodes, that's a lot, that's a lot of episodes. Yeah, that's, too, that's a lot of episodes. And we <laughs> want to thank you guys for, who have watched all 77, or if you've only watched one or two, thanks for being here tonight for this one, because we're going to have a good time. we got a lot of your questions that we're going to be answering tonight, and so we're looking forward to doing that. Tim, before we get started, though, let's go over to the live chat, because there's already a lot of activity over there. And so we've got uh, Cybermind Arcade, say, he says, patiently waiting on the 26-inch Unicoco I ordered. Figured it will be great for getting new pickups and working till I get a tube put in them for the test bench. Yes, so Tim, have you heard, I think we talked about these Unico monitors. Yes. So they're actual 4x3 style uh, LCD monitors that fit Fit. older style cabinets without heavily modifying them like you'd have to do with like a widescreen LCD. Tim, I've only heard good things about them so far and it seems like the price is not terrible for what they are. And so if you have not checked out the Unico monitors, they do look good, Tim. Okay, so, and good. the picture looks good on them as well. Yeah, well, that's a, let us know how your project turns out. YouTube Punk is here. He says, howdy, outrunning errands at the moment, but we'll try to jump back on later. Robert's here. He says, I've got a broken neck on my Geo 8 tube. Can, okay. it, can it be fixed? So, once the neck of the tube physically breaks off, that pretty much means that the tube is shot at yeah. that point. And so, um, besides finding another tube, you're, I mean, you're pretty much up a creek without a paddle, right, Tim? Yeah, it's kind of the... Um, kind of the death death nail on a lot of things but um you know it, and probably more trouble than it's worth even if you find another tube but it can be done um i don't know of any way to repair them because once it leaks out and it's kind of scary we've done it before though we've had one and to hear those things you know we also hear stories about them imploding and stuff so if you ever hear one kind of hissing at you we always say hissing's not a good sound uh, we think of snakes or something here and Texas, so uh, probably probably time to just chunk it in the trash and start it, get another one. There you go. 
Uh, and I hate that, but it is what it is. So, uh -huh. it is, you know, unfortunately. Uh, let's see what we have here. We have Geek Light uh, 08 is here. He says, greetings all. Happy Art Day, Tim. There uh -huh. you go. Uh, Real Hammer Billy Lee is here. He says, hello, hello. Unfortunately, and he says the same thing we did, Tim. Unfortunately, once the neck is broken, the tube is pretty much shot. Unfortunately, yeah. that is the case most, most times. So. Uh, let's see. Geeklight08 says, is it me or is there an echo? I don't know. Uh, if there's an echo, let us know. I, you know, we try to eliminate that as much as possible, but there may be a little bit of one. Uh, I also have some kids playing in the background, Tim, and so sometimes <laughs> I can create a little bit of noise in the background as well. So, let's see what else we got. Um... Uh, Cybermind Arcade says, two weeks ago, both my house and, AC and car AC went out at the same time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> me and Tim have already talked about house ACs this year. Yeah. Um, so at the beginning, at the end of last year, Tim, my outside unit went out. I had to buy a whole new one, and that was, you know, several thousand dollars, which is always fun. You were talking about you had to spend some money on one two as well, them. right? Two of them? Two of them. <laughs> In the last... One, one, one last year, one this year. So yeah, so AC units are not cheap at all, as anybody who's bought one knows. And you know, we have a good friend Tim. I have a good friend that actually works as an HVAC tech. And even with him cutting me the good deal, Tim, it's still expensive. Yeah, because it it's just the 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 actual units are expensive themselves. And so we feel you for sure, big time. So you get a pinball machine or an AC unit, but here in Texas, if you don't have AC, there's yeah. no way you're gonna be able to play your pinball machine. So. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Current Phonograph says, greetings from sunny, the sunny state of California, Tim. Okay. So there we go. We've got Nate Berg here. He says, got an odd question. Uh, with all this heat, should I add fans to my machines? So, I mean, it's a great idea to have fans in your machines anyway. Uh, mm -hmm. But, you know, if you've got your machines in an air-conditioned place, I don't think it's that big of a deal. What do you think, Tim? Well, we, we always, if it was a game that we are going to keep, uh, personal collection kind of deal... I always put fans in them, and when I worked for Chuck E. Cheese, I got tired of them breaking down, and that was in an air-conditioned place, but just a lot of games uh, gets kind of crowded and stuff, so I'm a big fan of not only one in, but also one out, kind of to circulate that heat and get them uh, going through your arcade, so by all means, it's not hard to hook up a fan. Uh, just depends on what kind of fan you get, whether it's AC or DC, and you just hook them up to your power supply, and the game kicks on, fans kick on. Uh, that's easy to me. I, I personally really, it's not going to hurt. And remember, in pole positions, we always recommend it because of the heat and stuff in there. So, and some of those cabinets are so thick, you know, the wood, you know, they're heavy, and so you can imagine. Uh, that's why we don't like um, to put a tv lcd in a game because of the heat because it's not open frame uh so if any heat that you can eliminate will really help your games in my opinion i see what you did there i'm a big fan of fans so i am a fan of fans big fan of fans i'm okay. a big fan of fans just making sure fan of big fans <laughs> fan of small fans too fan of any fans there you go uh, let's see what else we got here. Um, Nate Burke, should they be pointed to the PCB and the monitor chassis or just the PCB? So, if you only have one fan, I think we're a fan, again, I think we, we usually think of that blowing out. Yes. Okay, because we want to get the heat out of the cabinet. Now, if you've got, the, the ideal position would be two fans, right? You have yeah. one blowing in from the bottom and out the top. Exactly. Okay, because we know the hot air rises, and so as that, you're bringing in the cool air from the bottom, you're, you're, you're ejecting the hot air out the top. And so if you have one fan, you really just want to use that for exhaust probably only, but if you're going to do a two fan, you really want to get that circular motion like Tim was talking about, where we're circulating that cold air in and that hot air out, right? Yeah. So two fans is what we like to do. We like to put one at the bottom of the cabinet and then one at the top of the cabinet on the back, and then, like I said, once you get that circular airflow going through there, it keeps your game really nice and cool. But you can, if if you only want to put one in, just make sure it's best to go for exhaust if possible. 
Let's see what else is here. Um, Robbie J's here. Good evening from South Florida, Tim. Okay. So there we go. Big D Retro. Hello, guys. The soundboard on my Robotron was redone like new, but for some reason, no sound. When I hit the button, I will hear sounds run through, though. Could it be my CPU or soundboard? So it almost sounds like there's a connection issue here, right, Tim? Like it could more, be. More like there's some, uh, some reason why your soundboard is not communicating well with your CPU board. And so, and it's been a while since I've looked at Robotron. I think it's ribbon cable based. Mm -hmm. And so you may want to check, you know, just make sure all the connections between those two boards are good. That's going to be something for me. Tim, you have anything that you want to chime in? No, you were kind of reading my mind all automatically because uh, he says that he hears something, but then it's not, but then there's no sound, right? Right. He said, he says he can hit the test button and the sounds will run through. So right. he can run, it's like he can manually activate the sounds using the test on the sound But it's not board. working in, in the game. game. Right. And that's exactly what Johnson said. I would check your connections. It could have, could be a bad sound board, but the fact that it works at all tells me that it's just not getting it's not getting the sound from the board like it's supposed to. Right. It's only doing it through the test. And so I would suspect uh, those cables. Now, we do have a post on our website that uh, was actually a seminar that was done by Ken Graham where we have a lot of Williams troubleshooting, like a Williams troubleshooting guide, really. Mm -hmm. And so what you may want to do is try some that guide that we have. I think it's like four pages or something like that. But if you go back and look at, for Kim Graham's seminar at the Houston Arcade uh, Group Expo, I forget what year that is, Tim. But there is a troubleshooting guide with that for Williams games that we would highly recommend as well because that can guide you through some of the stuff. And I be believe it has some schematics in there too So for Williams games. And so you may want to check that out. That may help you with your problem. Uh, let's see. Nate Berg. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, he, he's talking about his game. So remember, he was talking about fans. He's like, they run, his games run from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. every single day. But he's having games in the same location, resetting randomly, but they work perfectly. Um, they worked perfectly. He says, Terminator 2, Rush, which I, it was probably, you know, San Francisco Rush, and a photo booth think the heat's getting to all these games. So Terminator 2 and Rush are games that have, usually have pretty high load power supplies. Mm -hmm. Okay, those are games that usually have the ATX style power supply in them. They're, they run a little bit hotter than maybe your standard game. Whenever a game goes out, check the power supply immediately. And so whenever, or if they reset, see what that that uh, 5 and 12 volts is at that point as soon as the reset happens because sometimes if you have that um, power supply just tweaked a little bit low then you may have issues where it'll reset like that and so a lot of times we will run games at like 5.05 on the 5 volts line right Tim just so we can give it a little bit more juice and those games in particular Terminator 2 San Francisco Rush are very high drain games on power supplies and so that I would definitely turn those up a little bit past that normal 5 volts line Tim anything else that you have no I agree but he's right though the heat will definitely affect it over time it's just the more heat that builds up in there the hotter it's going to get you will get issues like that also so by all means I like I said still uh Talking about the two-fan system where one blows in the bottom and blows out the top and you get that good circulation going, I think that may actually help him some too, but by all means, tweak your power supply. Sounds good. Well, Tim, we are caught up with the live chat. Um, okay. Is there anything you want to talk about that you've done this month while, before we get into some well, of the questions here? You know, it's funny. We're talking about heat. I, uh, I did take a, I took a trip to South Dakota. I nice. was in Sioux Falls. Um, that was quite a trip. I expected it to be a lot cooler there, and it was not. It was 96 <laughs> degrees when I got off of the plane, and uh, the people there said, well, you're from Texas, you're used to the heat, and I'm like, I'm used to sitting inside in the air conditioning while it's hot outside. Uh, so it was definitely a little change, but beautiful, beautiful, beautiful place. I really liked it. 
I do have a trip coming up in a few weeks to um, uh, Hollywood uh, Florida. near Florida, not California. So I'm in Billy Mitchell uh, territory. Maybe I'll run into Billy Mitchell Never know. while I'm out there. But uh, North Miami, I'll be in. I know we had somebody from South Florida today. Yep. Uh, so be anyway, J. I'll be, be in that area uh, end of the month. So, um, but, you know, overall, it was 4th of July. We had always uh, loved to celebrate uh, that holiday. It was good. We need that break during the summer. It kind of seems like big push now before Christmas and things like Halloween, things like that. So, um, how about you, John? You've been, I know you've been busy. Yeah, we've been busy. Um, you know, I think in the last episode, we talked about um, some of the stuff that we have going on. I don't want to get too in-depth here. If you watch the after show, you can hear more about what we've been up to, and we'll discuss that further. But we did have Independence Day, and Tim, I flat did nothing. No fireworks. No, wow. <laughs> I, was like, I was wiped out. And yeah. Tim could probably tell you he expected that. So, I mean, it, you know, it's one of those things where sometimes you're just darn tired and you're just glad to have a break from everything and that's how my independence day was hopefully yours was awesome if you did something really awesome over your independence day uh please let us know in the live chat especially yeah. if it's arcade related if you went somewhere maybe played some games maybe hung out with some friends at an arcade or something like that uh, let us know in the live chat if you did something cool over your independence day holiday we'd love to hear it uh, Tim, before we get into um, our outline here, I have one more here. Silly Sausage 72 hey guys, just want to say thank you for motivating me to get the paint of my Soul Calibur 2 cab that was painted blue. And you guys mentioned that it could be a Mortal Kombat cab, and it is a Mortal Kombat 2. Nice. There you go. Yeah, and taking paint off games is very common, because you got to remember, like, uh, operators, we're guilty of this. Mm -hmm. Okay, we definitely did this. We will just paint a cabinet whatever color, uh, just because we don't want the artwork to show for the next game we're putting in, in there, the next kit we're putting in there, right? Yep. And so we'll put, like, cheap latex paint just right <laughs> over that artwork. Uh, it takes a little elbow grease to get off, but once you get it off, man, it'll look just like it did originally. And finding a Mortal Kombat 2 cabinet is awesome, because yep. people mm -hmm. still love that cabinet. It's an, a very iconic cabinet, and so we're so glad that you went to all the effort and trouble to do that. Tim, later on in this episode, we're going to talk about one of our friends who did that and found quite the discovery when he did, right? Exactly. So um, you just never that. know what's underneath that black paint. Sometimes you need to check it out. Mm -hmm. So um, let's see. So we're glad to hear that. Um, Cybermind Arcade says, I flew my FPV racing drone on the 4th. Oh, That's pretty cool. How fun. So, and you know what's become really popular, Tim, are those drone shows now. Yeah. Instead of fireworks. Right. Uh, we didn't have any of those around here, but I saw a video of some of them at, at different places. Neat. They're pretty cool. I really yeah. think that's a neat thing. So... But uh, anyway, guys, with that all said, let us move on to the outline that we have for this episode. And the first question we have here, Tim, is from Big D Retro, who's actually here with us tonight. Okay, and he was talking about his Robotron in the soundboard, but this uh -huh. is a different problem with his Robotron, Tim. Okay. So Big D Retro writes, Hello, I watch your live channel every month. I have learned a lot. I am currently trying to adjust the image on my Cortec monitor. It is not, it is for my Robotron cabinet. I am trying to get the picture to stay still, but it's not going smoothly. The adjustments are are tricky. And Tim, that's where the episode uh, title mm -hmm. comes from for this month. Adjustments are tricky. Okay. <laughs> I am curious if anything else could cause the picture to keep bending and moving in one direction, etc. Thanks. And Tim, I think I have pictures of this that he sent in. I do. Okay. Let me go ahead and put those up real quick. Now, Tim, you can see here in these pictures that he's exactly right. The mm -hmm. picture is kind of bending and twisting. And he says this one on the right is about as close as he can get it to where it's kind of locked in. But even with that, you can still yeah, see still quite not. a bit of slanting mm -hmm. and uh, kind of flipping in that picture. And so, Tim, with all that said and done, what do you think is going on with Big D Retro's Cortec monitor on his Robotron cabinet? Okay. I did emphasize the word Cortec, Tim. Yeah, it's not my favorite brand. Yeah. But um, it is definitely out of sync. So we want to start off by checking the monitor input wiring. We want to make sure that the sync wire 
and everything is is wound up as is correct to where it's supposed to be. Now we had asked the question: Did you get it like this, or did it develop like this over time? Because if you bought it from somebody, it could definitely be a wiring issue. If you didn't, it's probably you probably didn't go in there and rewire anything. It just started to to wear, and that's where we'll talk about maybe doing a, a, a trying your adjustments, which I'm sure he's done, and then also maybe doing a cap kit to try to cure this problem. But it kind of depends. If you didn't get it that way, it could be just wired wrong. And uh, so I would check your pinouts and everything and make sure that the sink wires are hooked up. Now, we always recommend that you touch up the solder, those kind of things behind those pin wires, even if you didn't do anything to it. And over time, the wires do get brittle. So if you've unplugged, plugged stuff in, those kind of things, you always want to check your connections and stuff. But more than likely, it's just the monitor starting to... Is, is really old and starting to wear out and needs to be rebuilt. Right, exactly. Uh, so Tim, I don't think I have, I have anything to add, so I'm going to go ahead and throw up this, um, this slide here, which kind of says exactly what you said. It looks like your Cortec monitor is out of sync. So let's start by checking the monitor input wiring, specifically the sync wire. Make sure that this wire is making a good and correct connection between the board and the monitor. Now we say correct here, Tim, because we know that sometimes if you got a cabinet for somebody, they may have miswired the sync wires on the monitor. Easily. Very common, okay? And so make sure that you are actually using the correct, that is actually attached to the correct pin on the chassis, the one where the sync should go. Depending on the monitor, you may need to split your sync or you may need to combine syncs, right? Like depending on what kind of game you have and the monitor that you have. And so uh, just, you know, you may want to do some research. If we know exactly what model Cortec you have, we can give you that information as well. Get back to us with a model. We can give you a little bit more. Now check that the horizontal and vertical hold, sync, and sub adjustments are dialed in properly and that the pots are working. Now, Tim, pots are working is a big thing. You, if you're adjusting a potentiometer and it's not doing anything, you may need to replace that potentiometer, okay? Because they do go bad. Not all the time, but it happens. So make sure that that's the case. But if the input wires are wired correctly and the adjustments are all checked out, then you could have a problem with the sync circuit on your monitor chassis or issues with the game board. That's that's uh, that could be an issue. Um, but more than likely, what we do is take the chassis out, reflow the solder on all suspect joints, and then you need to start looking at the sync circuit. And you can find the sync circuit by tracing the sync pin from the input back through the. Um, back through the chassis and you can find it that way or again if you can get us the model of cortec that you actually have we can identify that for you you may need to rebuild that section depending on whether or not it's a chassis issue or a game board mm -hmm. issue tim is there anything else that we need to cover before we move on here no bob roberts site has some really good information and how to rebuild those circuits if you're not familiar with it absolutely now he doesn't cover a lot of cortec but we can help you out with some of the cortec stuff if needed so again get us back with a model or take a picture of your chassis and we can probably identify it for you uh Cortex are not our favorite monitors, but it doesn't mean that we don't work on them sometimes. And so um, if you will get us, hit us back with either a picture of your chassis or a model number of your chassis, we can give you a little bit more information on that sync circuit. But Tim, Michael always stressed this so much, and it's something we should stress to everybody out there too. Touching up the solder can save so many headaches. Yes. Just taking the chassis out and immediately touching up anything that looks suspect or maybe even stuff that doesn't look suspect. Right. Maybe the just pots, everything. the wires, all of that. Right, because all it takes is one cracked, cold, or broken solder joint to cause a multitude of issues. That's all it takes. Mm -hmm. um, Tim, I had a uh, G07 in a gyrus one time, and literally it had one broken solder joint on the high voltage line. Mm -hmm. And once I touched that up with solder, no problem. 
I mean, and, and that's all it took. It wasn't coming out. Monitor wasn't coming out on at all. The only way I found that was by tracing back through the high voltage section of the monitor. And so you have to always watch out for those. They can cause havoc. So I um, always encourage you to take the chassis out, touch up all the cold crack and broken solder joints, anything that you see that's even a little bit suspect, and then go from there. And of course, if you're going to have the, the chassis out anyway, good time to do a cap kit. You know, I mean, if we're going to pull the chassis, more than likely, if it hadn't been, if it hasn't had a cap kit on in a while, we're going to do it, right, Tim? Sure. So, uh, Big D Retro is here. He says, I will check some stuff now and keep you posted during the show. Okay. So there we go. Yeah, let us know. Uh, I love what, the lab yeah, exactly. Uh, let us know what you come up with and uh, give us any additional information you may have, and we can try to help you troubleshoot it as we continue on through the show here. Okay, Tim, we have another, uh, a couple of questions here in the live chat. We okay. have Robbie J. My Atari football stopped working. All the lights are on and the tube is illuminated, but it does not play blind. Switch the PCB, but no change. Power to the PCB, he says, question mark? Yes. Yeah, time to check supply. your voltage here. Yeah, mm -hmm. so definitely the first thing we would do would be check the voltage, make sure that the voltage is good. Uh, that's a very important thing to do. Uh, Nate Berg, House of the Dead 2, low volume even at max. What could I do for a fix? So your amplifier may be going out. Um, House of the Dead 2 cabinets typically have a audio amplifier somewhere in there. And so um, if now if you don't have an audio amplifier, you may want to put one in between the speakers and the board itself. But if it does, you may need to rebuild that. And Tim, uh, audio amplifiers are very simple. Mm -hmm. There's not a whole lot to it. Maybe a couple of caps, maybe a, like a transistor or two, not a whole lot. And so you could basically rebuild that whole thing just by looking at the parts. And so uh, just look at your audio amplifier board and see what kind of shape it's in. You may need to replace it. If you don't have one already, you can put one in circuit and then crank it up and it'll give you a little bit more volume as well. So there you go. Uh, let's see. I think we're caught up. And, um, he can get those audio amplifiers from um, Holland, Holland Computers. Holland Computers has yeah. them or you can get them from I mean, it doesn't uh, have to be get game specific. Nope. It's just an audio amplifier that goes in between basically the speaker and the pot and will help you to amplify it. Exactly. <laughs> Just like it says. Nothing, I was about to say, nothing, the volume. exactly, nothing, um, you know, you may be, um, a lot of times what happens, though, is that people will take that out thinking I don't need it, and you don't need it, technically it works without it, but you won't get the sound, right? Like, it'll keep you from getting big, full sound, right? And so that's why it's there. Uh, showcase cabinets typically have audio amplifiers, Tim, as you know. Bigger style cabinets typically have audio amplifiers to give you more of a big sound, because, the you know, what's coming from your board is typically very kind of low amperage tim yeah and so we need something to crank that up and we show that in a 60 and one doing the opposite it's too loud right and we're letting it being able to adjust it down some right same way yeah exactly same so. thing okay tim let us move on to our next question from lynn and here we go i have a world-class bowling deluxe that comes up with a black screen and no sound the following shows on the screen system status bad system code 0001 any idea of what I need to check, or has the circuit board just gone bad? Thanks, Lynn. So, Tim, we have a world-class bowling deluxe that comes up with this, a solid black screen and an error code. Okay, so first off, not looking great for your game board, I would say. Right. What yeah. do you think, Tim? It probably is the game board at this point, but we, we talk about this all the time. Always start at power, the ASAP approach. Uh, we're going to check that power supply with a meter and making sure that we got voltage all the way from the wall, all the way through the power cords, through the fuses and everything, and into that power supply, that it is putting out the correct voltage. All that's happening, you probably got a board issue, but we do want to make sure that that's uh, not the problem first. Also, you want to make sure that they check the dip switches and the settings and everything is okay uh, for that game. And um, But other than that, it's pretty simple. 
Uh, probably is, I would suspect, the power supply a lot of times, because the board will not read, it's not getting the voltage in order to process and do what it needs to do. But if your voltage is good, then it probably definitely is your board. Sounds good, Tim. So let's go ahead and throw up this slide real quick so we can just discuss it. Uh, so Lynn, it's very possible that you have a bad game board. I mean, we're getting error codes. It's not looking good, right? Before we officially diagnose it as that though, we need to make sure that the voltage getting to the board is good. So check the power supply with a multimeter and adjust it if necessary. See our post on checking and replacing a power supply for more information. Now, Tim, uh, you may have a ATX style power supply checking. That's a little bit different, but we have some videos on that. If you go back and uh, I think some of our seminar videos, Tim, that we've shown have, have us checking the ATX style power supply. So if you need that, you may go back and look at those as well. Now, if the voltage is correct, you need to check that the dip switches are set correctly. According to the manual, switches one through four should be on in bank one, switch one, and switches one and two should be on, and switches three and four should be off on the bank two of switches, okay? And you can try the test mode as well. If you turn switch one off on that first bank of switches, Tim, then that'll get you into the test mode. Because the test mode will tell you a lot of times what parts of the board may be right. going bad. could be a certain a bad RAM, bad ROM, something, whatever, right. it'll do some most, checks for right. you. Right, most boards have like a RAM and ROM style test of some sort and World Class Bowling Deluxe is no different and so you could go through those test modes and see. Uh, if it doesn't boot into test mode, then you may just have a really, really messed up board. And so you may just, you, you can either get it repaired, you can send it off to one of the people we have uh, on our resources page at arcaderepairchips.com slash resources. If you go there, we have a board repair section that you can contact one of those people and they can get it fixed for you. Or you can get a replacement board. Tim, I don't think world-class bowlings are going to be super expensive to get a replacement for. So if you wanted to do that, I don't think you're going to be, it's not going to be too bad. It should be reasonable for the most part. So uh, Tim, anything else here on Lynn's question before we move on? No, just that we love that game. Yeah, <laughs> I love World Class It's a very uh, fun it's game fun, to yes. play. It's kind of the precursor to Silver Strike. Yes. So, um, except in Silver Strike you have a person, mm -hmm. and in World Class you just have a ball. I so, like some of the animation and stuff. Yeah, it's a fun. It's, mm -hmm. it's a fun game. Me and Tim used to play it all the time. So, uh, great game. Hopefully you can get it working, Lynn. And just keep us posted on, uh, you know, if you try all the stuff that, we, that we've mentioned here and it's still giving you problems, let us know. We'll try to help you out further. Okay, Tim, I uh, just got one from Nate Berg in the live chat here. Is cleaning a trackball difficult? I have a Capcom bowling where you have to spin the ball a lot to the right and then the left, assuming 99% alcohol and cleaning the little rollers. Yes. Uh, so, Tim, what would you recommend for cleaning trackballs? Well, balls? cleaning the rollers is, is the key, you know. And as, you know, we always talk about, people think of WD-40 as a lubricant. WD-40 is an excellent cleaner. So I would spray those rollers really good and try to make sure sometimes it's a good time if they're not going to spin freely I, I take them out in my hand and play with them and spin them and stuff if those aren't spinning freely you can get a repair kit and just rebuild those but a lot of times you're right they'll just be really gunked up and cleaning those i like to use wd-40 uh, to clean those with because it does have kind of an oily feel and then I like to lubricate the track ball with some 3-in-1 oil that won't hurt the, hurt any of those parts uh, good clean out, clean out the sensors and everything but those yeah definitely cleaning it will help and then if it doesn't still operate very good they just you know once they kind of get locked up and they're not working as good Sometimes it's just as easy just to rebuild them for, you know, less than 20 bucks. You can rebuild the whole thing most of the time. There you go. 
So, Nate, hopefully I answered your question. Good luck getting that trackball working. Yeah, the rollers are really really the key, like Tim mentioned. And the 3-in-1 oil will help with the spinning. Um, because once, if it starts getting, um, if it's not lubricated well in there, that ball is going to kind of stick every so often. And it's going to give you a weird feel. Especially mm -hmm. if you're playing a game like Capcom Bowling. So, Okay, Tim, I think we're caught up again. So let us move to John's question. And John says, hello, I've got a Space Invaders cabinet that is doing some strange things with the graphics. Mm -hmm. I've recapped the monitor and installed... The Braze multi-game kit, and it does not it doesn't seem to find anything wrong. Basically, the graphics are present, but seem degraded. The edges of the letters and sprites and such aren't visible. And Tim, I want to read that again because that's kind of a key here for this issue. The edges of letters and sprites and such aren't visible. Okay, so that's that's the symptom we're looking at. Okay. Anyway, I wanted to see if it's possible to have someone take a look at it or not. I haven't been able to figure it out. Thanks for your time, John. So, Tim, we have John here with the Space Invaders, and it sounds like, I mean, he's got the uh, Braze multi-game kit on it, which is right. pretty cool. I mean, we've had some of these multi-game kits for, like, Pac-Man and stuff like that. We haven't done that Braze one for Space Invaders, but I have heard it's a really neat kit. But like I said, the main key part here, Tim, is that he's saying that the, um, like, edges. I'll read it again, the edges and letters and sprites and such aren't visible, kind of like we're getting this little cut off. Yeah. And so um, that's what we're going to focus on, Tim. What can John do here in order to fix this little kind of cut off sprite and graphic issue? Well, from our research and knowledge of these games is that a lot of times that's a monitor issue, yep. not so much a board issue. Which would make sense because he actually said he tested everything and his board seems good, right? Right. And so definitely leaning monitor issue here, Tim. Go ahead. Right. So there's a, a very large um, B-plus filter cap uh, that probably needs to be replaced, and sometimes it's hard to find replacements for those. Uh, but there's still a few shops that that sell them. But he needs a. It's a good time to rebuild and uh, do some monitor repair. Will probably solve this issue. Yeah. So a lot of times this is caused by bad B plus voltage, Tim. Mm -hmm. And so um, there is a big cap. There's kind of a cap that's right there. I think they call it the can cap, and it's kind of right there in that little section um, with by the B plus. Um, mm -hmm. What do you call it? Adjustment stuff. And so I want to go ahead and put this up here so we can uh, so we can kind of go over it here, Tim. So this is a common issue with a lot of older black and white games, okay? And it's usually caused by a, by the monitor, not the game board. We mentioned that. There's a large B-plus filter capacitor or can cap that probably needs to be replaced. Fortunately, there's a custom cap replacement uh, as the caps used in the original filter cap are no longer available. And you can get these custom caps from Arcade excuse me, arcade shop or from other arcade parts suppliers. Now, Tim, I put the picture of the arcade shop one here mm -hmm. so you could see what it looks like. It's kind of like on. they took a conglomerate of caps to make that one cap. Right. But it, it works the same. Exactly, and that's the idea. So you will find a link to the most common one below. Now, this one is for the um, Wells Garner V1001 uh, monitor. Please be sure to get the one for your particular monitor brand and model. This is the most common one. It is by no means the only one. <laughs> That's right. something we need to, to stress here. And we did link to this down below, John, in the um, in the description as well. So you can see this. There are some other um, of these can cap style uh, caps that you can get. Um, but it just depends on what. You didn't say specifically which Wells, or which monitor you had. We just know that that Wells Garner is very common. The 1001 series is very common. And so we're just kind of guessing. But make sure you get the one that matches whatever the model is of your particular monitor. Okay, so if that if you don't have a 1001, you have a different one, uh, there are some can caps available for those as well. But the key here is the B plus voltage. Making sure that the B plus voltage is correct. And so you can tell... You can tell if you need this by whether or not the voltage is reading what it's supposed to read. If your voltage is not reading that, then obviously there's probably an issue with this can cap or something else in the in the high voltage section of the monitor. So 
But, uh, Tim, is there anything else you want to say about John's question before we move on? I don't think so. Okay, there we go. So hopefully, John, that answers your question. And good luck getting that Space Invaders uh, back up and running 100%. Yeah, that little, like I said, the thing you said about cutting off. When we mm -hmm. when we see that cut off, that's really what, what was the giveaway here. And it would have been great if we saw a picture of it, Tim. I would have uh -huh. liked to see. So, I mean, if you want to send a picture in, we may, we may diagnose it differently based on that. But just by what you said, we're kind of going on that. We think it may be the can cap that's giving you the trouble. So... Uh, coming over to the live chat real quick, Tim. Robbie J. Every time I watch Todd Tucky um, video, he puts a new switching power supply in a machine. But I see a lot of regular people who prefer to keep things original. Thoughts? Uh, new power supply, easier to dial in voltage. So what do you think? Should you always replace the power supply? Well, you know, at the age of some of these games, it, it's a good idea. And, and you got to remember a lot of his, he's wanting to fix up and sell. So yes, if I'm going to get a game... Now, to me, and it's my personal game, I'll just wait till it dies. Sure. I'll play it till it doesn't play anymore. But if I was going to sell a game, I would go ahead because um, if it hasn't went out this week, it's going to go out next week or next year, and I would put something in there so it would last my customer a little longer. That would be my opinion on that, how I would choose that, whether it be for me, because I can always rebuild it, uh, I do like some of the, uh, the older power supplies better, and uh, some of them just seem to last forever, and they're still working. So, it, you know, we're always in the, if it's not broke, don't fix it camp. But I know why he's doing that. He's doing it to kind of bulletproof it so he doesn't get a call next month and say, the game you sold me is now already crapped out. He's trying to prolong the life of them. Right, exactly. And when you're given a warranty with your games that you're selling, Tim, it's good to put as many new parts in there as possible so that way you know that the stuff is still under warranty when you sell it. So, like, if somebody comes back and says their power supply is bad, well, you replace that. You just take that power supply off, ship it back to the people for warranty, and get another one back and pop it in there, right? Correct. And so it makes it real easy for you. Now, like Tim mentioned, though, um, games that use linear-style power supplies, Williams Games is a great example. We had the Robotron that Big D Retro was talking about mm -hmm. earlier, Tim. Uh, Williams Games, we like that linear power supply in there. Yeah, you know, I'd rather uh, just rebuild yeah, what's MCRs in there. MCRs we don't have a problem with. You know what I'm saying? that There are a lot of linear-style power supplies that work great. And so uh, switching, we kind of reserve for newer-style games anyway. Sometimes we'll put a uh, switching power supply in a Pac-Man's okay. Yeah. Because, you know, like the AC it transformers. Edge yeah. connector from burning and Exactly. Stuff and so, I mean, some of the older power supplies are, are bad. Some of them are really good. And so a lot of that will depend on, on what, you know, how good the original power supply is. In most, like in Pac-Man and Galaga, probably going to go switcher. But like in a Williams game, probably going to keep it the same. Or a Midway game, probably going to keep it the, like, uh, you know, anything using MCR mm -hmm. style technology. I may keep it the same just because those power supplies, once they're rebuilt, they run pretty well. And yeah. there's mods that you can put on those as well to make them run even better. And so I think it really just depends on the game that we're trying to restore. But on anything like 90s and older, yeah. I mean, go ahead. If it had a switching power supply in it, keep the switching power yeah, keep Put a new one in there. Make sure that you're getting good voltage off of it. You know, I mean, but me and Tim have also rebuilt power supplies, like uh, switching ones. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I've got I've got a couple in the closet that I've rebuilt after I pulled them out and put a new one in. Because, you know, it's even though they're like 30 or 40 bucks, still handy to have around if you need a power supply. Uh, Tim, Big D Retro is back with the Robotron updates. Okay. Which he says, I found the two sync switches on the chassis. I switched the top one to the left and powered up. The image now appeared. Just have to rotate at the neck. The tube is Samsung. 
uh, burn free. Nice. Nice. Well, hopefully you can get it. Yeah. Hopefully you can uh, adjust that image a little bit and get it to where it's perfect now. So I mean, you know, it's like, but a Samsung tube, it's a quality tube. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. most of the tubes that you find are, are pretty decent. Uh, Tim, the only exception to that would be some of the cheap Chinese tubes that we've seen from time to time. Yeah. Um, and if those, it's a brand you recognize, it's probably okay. Yeah. Either. I mean, exactly. So I mean, yeah, great tube. Those should be fine. And in a in a Robotron, you're, you should have good luck with that. So, okay, Tim. Uh, I think we're caught up, so let us move to let us move to Eric's question here, Tim. And Eric says, "Hello, I am getting this messed up screen on my high-low double-up Joker Poker game. It was fine when I got it. It does this. It now does this. Mm-hmm. I tried adjusting on the vertical and horizontal screw things, which potentiometers, Tim. Sure. With no success. Any ideas would be greatly appreciated. Now, Tim, we have the bottom picture kind of looks okay. Uh, maybe a little bit of fold over at mm-hmm. the top, but the second picture is definitely starting to look like something we're very familiar with. Yes. Uh, or the top picture, I should say. Right. The top picture definitely starts to look like something we're very familiar with. Tim, what's going on with Eric's uh, high-low double-up Joker poker game? Well, you're getting the vertical fold over that we talk about quite a bit. Uh, vertical collapse, sometimes we call it that. And, it, and it's not quite it, there. Yeah, but it'll get there. It's getting <laughs> it won't, there. It won't for be sure. long. Right. It's indicative that it's going out. So, this is a great time. Of course, like we, we always mention, after you check all your solder joints and stuff, this is a great time to go ahead and do a cap kit on it. Yeah. This is the, the picturesque model poster child for a cap kit. Needs right. it right away, and that should help you. To keep that from from going getting worse and forget and we'll get better. Yeah, when we're starting to have vertical fold over, especially at the top of the screen, uh, a lot of times there are caps in that vertical section that are starting to fail. And mm-hmm. so when that happens, all of a sudden uh, it's like, okay, well let's go ahead and do the whole cap kit because if those caps are starting to fail, that means that every other cap on that board is probably about to fail. And so let's go ahead and do the cap kit first, right, Tim? Yes. Now. You could do the cap kit and still end up in the same spot. You may be getting into full-on vertical collapse. And right. then at this point, you'll need to check the whole vertical section of your monitor. That includes the vertical IC and all the stuff that's kind of around that chip. And so um, we may that's be getting That's why we're there. hoping it's early right. to stop stop what you're doing. Do the cap kit right now before you go damage the IC and other issues that could be involved. And a little bit more detail, a little bit uh, in-depth repair, but not hard. Right. So let's go ahead and put this up on the screen here, Tim, so we can discuss it. From your pictures, it looks like you're experiencing a bit of vertical mm-hmm. foldover slash collapse on your screen. Try removing the chassis, touching up cold, cracked, or solder, uh, broken solder joints, and see if it helps. And if it's been a while since the modders had a cap kit installed, we would definitely recommend doing that, as bad caps often contribute to foldover problems. And so, um, again, this we you know we don't always recommend cap kits, Tim. We try not to, but this is definitely something that's more along the cap kit side. We have faded or weird colors or we have um or we have some weird power issues or we have some fold over or something like that we're starting to look at caps and those kind of problems now if the monitor continues to have fold over after the cap kit and after touching up the solder joints now we're looking at a vertical like an actual vertical collapse issue and we need to look at the vertical ic chip which we talk about in our uh, post on um, repairing monitor collapse issues mm-hmm. and you all look around all that section around the vertical IC because more than likely there's something there. Touch up the solder on the vertical IC and you may have to replace that or other parts in that section. 
And so that's what you have to remember. Now, if you need help identifying any of that, Eric, if you'll get back to us with the model and make of your chassis, we can give you a more in-depth approach to take. So right now we're kind of giving you this general idea because we don't know exactly what kind of monitor you have. But if you need additional information, get back to us with your brand and your make of whatever monitor chassis you have in there, and we can definitely help you out more. Yeah. Tim, is there anything else you have for Eric before we move on? Yeah, I just hope it's not a Cortex. There you go. There we go. <laughs> just so, uh, so Eric, hopefully answers your question and good luck getting that uh, fold over that you're starting to experience out of your uh, high-low Joker poker. Is that what it was? Yeah. It was double up. Oh, I forgot double, double up. Joker, Joker poker game. Uh, Tim, you got to remember a lot of these poker games use the same kind of equipment that we find in arcade in right. arcade games, right? I mean, pretty much the same monitors, same types of boards. Some of them are even wire jamma. A lot of them are jamma. I was about to say, some mm -hmm. are even wire jamma. And so, you know, they're pretty much the same setup. The only difference is instead of having maybe a joystick, you just have a couple of buttons. Think asteroids. Mm -hmm. So there you go. Okay, Tim, I think we're still caught up in the live chat, so let's continue on here. We have a question from Cynthia, Tim. And Cynthia says, I bought a, an SD card fully loaded with retro games such as Pac-Man. When I started playing first, I noticed it was not centered on my screen. I built a bar top arcade system. I centered the picture, but it goes back to not being centered after I guess I turn it off. Mm -hmm. uh, what can I do to fix this? Also, the joysticks sometimes won't go up to play Pac-Man. Please help. So, Tim, we have two little issues here, and it sounds like Cynthia is probably running some sort of emulator-based system because we have yes. an SD card here, okay, and that's pretty common. And so there's two problems, though. One, mm -hmm. um, the picture's not centered on the screen, and I'll adjust it, but for some reason it doesn't save that. Okay, that's problem number one. The second problem is that sometimes the up on, on my joystick when I'm playing Pac-Man Pac does not go up. And so let's tackle these two problems real quick, Tim. Let's talk first mm -hmm. about that, that very first issue with it being centered. What can we do about okay. that? Well, first, let me say this. Boy, did we get your, understand your pain in this one. We have seen this many times, and it kind of took us a while to figure it out ourselves. Because it would be so, every time we go to play the game, we'd have to go into the settings and readjust everything. And then it would be fine until we turned it off, and then it would do it again. So what we have found is sometimes instead of just cutting off the power to the monitor or unplugging the game um you, you, it's not always saving so you can turn it off at the monitor right now at the did? power at switch. the power switch right of the monitor correct on the side of the monitor right instead of just unplugging it from the wall or the power switch of your game turning it off there waiting a few minutes and turn it back on sometimes it would save it like right. that it didn't like it when we just unplug it from the wall or something so that seemed to help us and hopefully that will help you uh with your issue so it's just it's basically not saving it but by turning it off at the power button switch on the actual monitor itself on the L lcd monitor sometimes that will save it and um I, I think there's a couple of maybe other things that we've tried in the past but that seemed to be the the best fix that we found now go ahead no i was gonna say and we have the second problem of the up direction now. yeah and the up direction that's pretty simple um, we have some videos that will help you with this but uh what happens is it's the backwards from the way you think it's up is actually down you know when you're pushing the joystick up the lever is pushing down on the back switch so switch closest to you or if you flip it up it might be farther away from you if it's upside down that switch right there see 
turn push the button up i mean push the joystick up and see which switch is activating it could be a bad switch but more than likely it's the connection going to that switch and it'll trick you sometimes thinking which one it is so i just do like i'm playing the game i'm hitting up and i'm looking i'm okay it's that switch right there and then I, a lot of times it's a broken wire or just a wire that needs a new connector put on it especially if it works sometimes sometimes it doesn't now occasionally we've had to bend the switch just a hair to make it a little more sensitive um, so look up under your joystick I know Johnson's going to show a picture of one but one of those switches that controls the up and what we have done before if you're not sure it's a switch you can switch it with another one and then see if now the problem is it won't go right and you can just replace that one switch uh, that you make an X on it that it's bad and get another one. They're not that expensive in a good way. But most of the time, the switches, now the little round cherry uh, switch is what it's called, the, the button on the switch. If that's worn, you need to replace the switch. If you're like our friend Steve and you're good playing at Pac-Man and you're really moving and going up a lot, Pac-Man's a game I would say you go up quite a bit because you start off a lot of times at the bottom of the screen so you're constantly going up it may just be worn out in that case you would replace the switch agreed so um and i'm going to say something that regs show reminded us of too here in a second here tim in the live live chat but first things first let's cover what you said and so we have had the issue with it not saving the settings before and um try adjusting the settings to your liking then turning off the monitor using the power switch on the monitor instead of just cutting the power to the monitor okay sometimes the adjustment settings are not saved till the power switch is pressed of course this could also be due to software settings uh -huh. so be sure that you check those as well and that's regzer show chimed in here tim and said a lot of her centering image issue could depend on the front-end emulation system it's using. RetroPie, RetroArch, LaunchBox, etc. So it could be that. But the fact that she can adju adjust it, get it set, right. and then when she turns it off and turns it back on, it goes back to where it was. A lot We've seen this with the monitors we've worked with, that if we, we don't save the settings. Exactly. If we don't turn it off at the power switch, it won't save those settings. There's something that happens when you turn off the power switch that runs through a program that goes through and saves those settings. And so try that and see if it works. But if that doesn't work, Regzer shows right, there may be software settings that you need to adjust in your emulator in order to get that centered. So Think of it kind of like a TV in your house. Most of the time you turn it off with your remote. You don't yes. go and unplug the TV from the wall. Right. The reason why is because it's like, a, it's like shutting down your PC. Um, there's things that saves and goes on. It has a little bit of power for just a little bit that saves some things. But when you yank it from the wall, you're hitting it really hard with right. the power and doesn't have time to shut down properly. So just like a computer, think about it like that. And then, of course, the up direction. As far as the up direction on your joystick goes, you can test the up micro switch by using the continuity check on your multimeter. If the switch is good, could be a wiring slash software issue. I mean, it's not unheard of. Um, wiring would be our first guess, though. And like Tim mentioned, uh, you'll see this joystick has the little levers on it. You mm -hmm. may need to adjust those levers in order to get it to work properly. You can try switching the switches themselves on the joystick. Switch like the left switch with the right switch, vice versa, and see if that works. Um, but overall, a lot of times when we've seen this, it's more of either a wiring issue or a switch issue mm -hmm. right tim yeah the switches wear out and also but it's usually a wiring issue first yeah so uh so cynthia hopefully answers your question if you have any additional um i you know comments or anything please let us know if you've got some more information you'd like to share with us about your issue we'd love to hear that but hopefully these uh, ideas that we've given you here will help you to uh, solve it and please keep us updated if you need additional help 
Now, Tim, we had Philbert here, and uh, he had a problem with the 60 and 1. He says when he tries to set the volume, it always de defaults back to where it was originally. How can I solve this? And Regzer Show chimed in saying before the e you exit the volume section, you need to hit the enter button or the start, player one start yeah, button. Player one start. And that will save it. Now, these boards are cheap. We've talked about this before. Mm -hmm. Sometimes these boards don't work the way they're supposed to. Right. You will get bad 61 boards all the time. Okay, because they're man manufactured, mass-produced, as cheap as possible, okay? And so you will have times where you'll have problems with that save function. Um, in that case, you can either get a replacement 16-in-1 board or you could buy the little volume uh, rheostat slash potentiometer that they have at Holland Computers, right, Tim? Mm -hmm. And then just wire that in between and use that rheostat instead to adjust your volume, which actually makes it kind of nice because then you don't have to restart the game every time you want to set the volume, right, Yeah, because a lot of times when we've had 16-in-1 boards... Um, we could get the volume right set for one game, but then as soon as we went to another game, it was either too high or too low. It's not real consistent, and this way, all we have to do is just reach around and turn the volume up or down. Seems a it's a little bit easier for us, but he is exactly right. When you go through that setting, unless you hit, it's uh, player one start, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's player one start. And, and it'll tell you in the manual, I know, and when you got to hit it, and it'll come up on your screen and Set save it. Set up okay it. or something yeah. like that. If it doesn't do that, then it didn't save it. Yeah. So it'll say, like, I think set up okay. If it says that on the screen, then you save the setting. But you definitely yeah. have to hit a button to save it. And maybe your fire button or something. I think it's a player one start. For sure. So, okay, Tim. Uh, oh, Delusional's Arcade's here. What's up, Delusional? How's it going? Mm -hmm. So, Okay. I think we're caught up on the live chat, though. Okay. So let us... Um, now, Tim, we're to our quick question and answer section. All Look right. at this. So rapid we're, we're, fire. Yeah, we're going through here pretty quick. So uh, in this portion of the show, we rapid fire three or so questions at Tim for him to answer. And Tim, um, I believe Bob is actually in the live chat with us tonight. He had a question about humidity. We're going to get okay. to that in a second. I just want to say that if you're here, Bob. And so we'll be talking about that. But I'm going to throw three questions right at Tim, and he's going to fire right back with three answers uh, on these topics. So uh, let us go ahead and look at what we have in this section today and so uh tim we have two from bob first one i have a huge basement and i want to utilize uh i want to utilize for my arcade games nice concrete floor an area of about 25 by 25 i'm worried about dampness what should the proper humidity levels be so my machines aren't damaged and then he also says i heard that wells garner has a new old stock uh, in a warehouse. I'm always looking for CRT monitors, especially color vectors like the 6100. Um, have you ever heard of this? Okay, so that's right. pretty easy. And then GN says, do you have any videos that are directly for bingo machines from Bally? Okay, so, um, of course, Tim, those are more like pinball machines, right? Right. And so these are pretty basic questions. We got two from Bob, one about humidity, one about an uh, <laughs> a uh, old stock warehouse from Wells Garner, and then GN, who's, who's asking about some bingo machines from Bally. And so, uh, Tim, with those in mind, let's go ahead and take them one at a time. So let's talk about humidity real quick, Tim. I'm in a basement, 25 by 25. What kind of humidity levels do I really want to have in there in order to run games? Well, there? there's one thing we know about here in Texas and Louisiana and anywhere in the south is humidity. Absolutely. We deal with it on a constant basis. We're currently, right now, we're running about 70 to 80 percent humidity, which makes it really hot. But I know what he's talking about on concrete floor. As long as you don't see sweating or condensation forming, probably not something you got to really worry about. You want to be at about 60% or less. Uh, we can def we had a day, a 
couple weeks ago, about a week ago, it was like 95, but it was like 50% humidity. And it was like a world of difference versus 98 and 80%. Uh, we, everybody could tell. Everybody was talking about how cool it was that day. And you thought it was 80 degrees, but it really was only a few degrees difference. So as long as you can get it to about there, I'm sure that there are dehumidifiers and things that you could buy. Just keep an eye on it. As long as you don't see condensation building up, though, you should be fine. So what about a new old stock warehouse from Wells Garner, Tim? I haven't heard of that. Um, I, I would probably say that's probably uh, more wives' tale or or uh, fiction fact than, than fact, because if it was, I think we'd probably hear a little more buzz about an, that. An old wives' tale instead of new old stock? Is yeah. That what you're <laughs> and so, uh, you know, kind of a rumor mill there. I don't know if that's true. Uh, but of course, if it is, uh, I know who would know. You can always contact Wells Gardner themselves. They may have some new old stock laying around, but I doubt it. Okay, and then the last one, Tim, um, Bingo Machines by Bally. We don't have any videos on those. Yeah, right? we've never shot a video on that. In fact, um, you might could... Um, we've never even come across too many of them. Most yeah. of the time we see them, they may be at an auction. But, you know, that age of... Of bingo machine, the age of bingo machines is pretty old, Tim. Yeah. Some of them even predate a lot of pinball machines. Yeah, so we're not we're not exactly the people to ask for that question, but we'll hook you up with some people who probably do know a lot about it, and maybe that'll help you out. Absolutely. So, Tim, let's go ahead and just kind of review what you just said. So, on Bob's first question, as long as you don't have condensation or moisture kind of forming, then you should be okay. Um, anything below 60 seems to be the consensus between most people, with an ideal being between 45 and 50 percent humidity. Right? right. So, that's what we were talking about on the humidity question. Like Tim said, we've not heard that there was a new old stock warehouse somewhere, but you could always contact Wells Garner, Tim. Yeah. Um, I didn't do it, but if you want to, you can call them up or you can contact them via the contact form on their website. They are very friendly and good to deal with. Tim's dealt with them several times when he worked at Chuck E. Cheese. Mm -hmm. uh, always had good luck with them, I assume? Yeah, very, very good luck. Yeah, so I mean, they know their stuff. They're good guys. So um, you can always contact them and see if they actually have one. And on the bingo machines, unfortunately, we do not have any videos specifically on bingo machines. We do discuss some concepts that may help you with those kind of repairs, but we are going to refer you to the For Amusement Only podcast, and there's a link here, Tim, that you can go to. Also put it down below, because those guys work on pin on bingo machines almost exclusively. Okay, And good. so if you need help with bingo machines, I will say check out those guys, because right. those guys do it all the time. Uh, we do not. And so uh, definitely check out their podcast. It's a great podcast, and they know a lot about those styles of kind of pinball machines, bingo machine type games. So... Okay, Tim. Now, um, we're finished up with the outline here, but Philbert came back and said, where would I wire that potentiometer? So if you get the volume rheostat from Holland Computers, which is the one that we recommend, and Tim, we show this in our video on, on assembling a cocktail cabinet. Yeah. You want to put that potentiometer in between your 61 board. So basically, the the um, the wires for the audio coming from the 16-in-1 board connect to the rheostat, and then those wires connect out to the speaker. So you're actually wiring it in between the 16-in-1 board and the speaker. And what that does is it just gives you a volume knob that you can use to control the volume there without having to go into the test mode all the time. Mm -hmm. And the nice thing about the Holland Computers one is it's already pre-wired to kind of set up. It's mm -hmm. super easy to hook up, and they have a diagram along with it on their website that you can check out. And we've linked to it in previous shows. I'll have to dig through our stuff to find the link again. But if you go to hollandcomputers.com and you search for volume rheostat, you'll find it. Or if you just do a search on our website for volume rheostat, you'll probably find it. Uh, but it's only like 10 bucks, 15 bucks. And oh, hey, and they got 15% off right now. I think through today or tomorrow. Through tomorrow. Okay. So you can get an extra 15% off that as well if you want to. Um, and. Um, I forget what that code is. I think it's July 4th, 2023. 
July 4, 2023. I'll look it up. But um, you can get an extra 15% off that rheostat, but it already comes kind of pre-wired, super easy to hook up, and we do show it in our video on assembling a cocktail cabinet. And Tim, I have chapters in that video, so if you jump to the volume or the audio chapter of that video, you don't even have to watch the whole thing. Okay, you can yeah. just jump there, and you should be good to go. So um, I was going to see if I can find the... Um, the code real quick for Holland Computers so you guys can do it. And Tim, I actually bought something with this code myself. Yeah, they so. actually, they're always, seems like they always run a sale around every holiday. Every holiday. They just seem like, so if you're thinking it's holiday coming up, good time to get some arcade parts from them guys. Agreed. So, well, my phone is not, is being the slowest ever. It seems <laughs> like that's always how it is. So, but um, yeah, so, I mean, you can definitely, uh, if you do a search on their website, I was about to say, for some reason, the, the discount code isn't, if you sign up for their email, I think you'll get it. You know what I'm saying? You'll get the pro promotional email for this one. So let me do this real quick and see if that helps at all. So my phone. Holland. Okay, we can sit here and watch me Google something. That's really fun, isn't it? Yeah. But not really. Uh, so I'll let it, maybe it'll come up here in a second. I can give you guys that discount code that you can use. So we do want to save you some money if you're going to invest in that. So And I'll see if I can find that Rio stat. Oh, hang on a second. Hang on, hang on. Here it is. It took that long, Tim. Mm -hmm. Okay, right now, if you use, I was right, July 4, 2023, all okay. together, then you can get 15% off all your arcade parts right now. And this uh -huh. is through tomorrow. So it, it expires tomorrow. So you have till tomorrow to, to go ahead and get that. Uh, Tim, we've used Holland Computers Parts. We are very good friends with Bill, who runs Holland Computers. Dude's mm -hmm. super nice. His whole team is good. You can call them if you have problems wiring it, and they will help you even. So mm -hmm. um, we want to really thank those guys. They put a ton of work into the stuff they sell. And Tim, they sell the best JAMA harness on the market, the, one that's all, the only one that we found that's actually printed in English. Right. And so mm -hmm. while you're getting that rheostat, that volume potentiometer, Pick up a JAMA harness too, you know, <laughs> because I mean, everybody needs a JAMA harness around, right, Tim? For sure. Yeah, you always need one. So, okay, Tim, uh, with that out of the way, we've got a question from Mr. Dwayne79. He says, I need some advice. I bought a full size arcade that has been gutted. It has a flat screen monitor and the controls have been wired to a USB hub. Uh, so, should I use a Raspberry Pi or a Dreamcade Replay or Pandora's box? I have all for it, three. So I would say the choice is yours. Right. Um, the fact that it's already hooked to a USB, USB hub or USB encoder um, kind of makes it very Raspberry Pi friendly if mm -hmm. you want to do that. If you want to go Pandora's box, you're going to have to probably rewire it JAMA because I don't think you can hook the USB controls directly up to that. Um, the Dreamcade Replay, I believe you can hook up USB too. So that would those two would probably be pretty plug and play with the way it is now. But if you want to go Pandora's box, you're probably going to have to go JAMA. Okay, so you'll have to do rewiring on that USB, on the USB connection and go with JAMA. So, I mean, it's really up to you. Raspberry Pi is very powerful. But if you want to play some some of those games that require a little bit more oomph, um, such as maybe Dreamcast or something like that, mm -hmm. and some of the newer style arcade games, then you may want to go with like a, 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 the Pandora's boxes, the new ones, like the 10th anniversary one, which is the new one that's out, Tim. Mm -hmm. That thing can play all sorts of stuff. Um, I'm very impressed with what they've been able to play on that. So um, you will probably get better performance out of that than you will out of the Raspberry Pi. Um, I'm not sure about the Dreamcade replay because I just haven't had any experience with it, but... Um, Pandora's boxes nowadays play pretty much any game you, you could want. They're as good as what MAME used to be in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, if it were me, I'd probably go Pandora's box because it's easy, it's simple, front end's already built. But there are plenty of Raspberry Pi images out there that would work just as well. Don't just You just don't have the power that you have with, like, the, the Pandora's box, which is already kind of pre-made to run, all, run a lot of games that may be tough to run on the Raspberry Pi. 
So, is that a good way to say it? Yeah. Are we good? Okay, there you go. Well, Tim, let us get into some news for July 2023. And Tim, we had this uh, story pop up this month, and I thought it was super cool. And and you actually have kind of an Atari uh, shirt on today, so it kind of goes along with your shirt. Atari is releasing a new game, Mr. Run and Jump, as an Atari 2600 cartridge. Now, Tim, this is being released for, you know, Xbox and PlayStation and PC and a lot of other things, but they're also releasing an Atari 2600 version. Right. So you can play it on your 2600. Right, exactly. So, Atari is releasing their new game, Mr. Run and Jump, for the Atari 2600. This is the first Atari-released 2600 cartridge since the 1990s and includes modern upgrades like gold-plated connectors and over 30 hours of gameplay. 30 hours of gameplay on Atari cartridge seems like a lot. It does. Is that just me? Price is 60 bucks, and pre-orders will be available soon, and there is a link there to where you can you can see the game if you're interested. So uh, that's definitely something you can go with. So, uh, But uh, really cool stuff, guys. I mean, how long has it been? It's staying here since the mm-hmm. 90s, since we've seen an Atari-released one, right? So, um, But uh, pretty cool stuff. Uh, Tim, you got to support what Atari's doing lately um, with the printing of the PCBs. I know they don't have parts on them, but still. And then now releasing an Atari 2600 cartridge. Tim, I think this is Atari moving in the mm-hmm. right direction. I think so. I'm not saying that they've got it all figured out. I'm not saying that they're a perfect company by any means, but I think the one thing they've always needed to do is to embrace the retro audience, right? And so, so, I mean, because they are a retro brand when we really think about it. And so the fact that they even offer printed circuit boards, even though they don't have the parts on them, is pretty cool. And the fact that they're even offering a a new Atari 2600 cartridge is pretty cool. And so um, even if you're not like a big fan of this game or the printed circuit board thing, I applaud their efforts for trying to embrace this retroness while also giving people some really cool things, you know, in the process, like Mm -hmm. new cartridges and PCBs and stuff like that. So um, I I think it's pretty cool. What do you think, Tim? I think it's a great idea. I think it's cool. So um, I I almost want to buy one just to keep it. Just yeah, to have. I mean, $60 is a lot, but Tim, you were buying Atari games with 50 bucks in the 70s, <laughs> That's right? right. So, I mean, you know, it is what it is. It's like we, we've had a little bit of inflation, but not a whole lot. So, mm-hmm. and, and this will probably be a collector's piece for a lot of people, I imagine. So, mm-hmm. there you go. Okay, uh, Tim, we had this article from Salon that I thought was really interesting. We actually linked to it. Uh, Pinball is of the body. Why modern tech can't recreate the world under glass. That's the title of the article. This article discusses how pinball is a game that is of the body and how it cannot be recreated by modern technology. True, right, Tim? I think so. The author argues that pinball is a game that requires physical skill and cannot be replicated by digital technology. The article also discusses how pinball machines are built to last and how they are not subject to plan obsolete lessons like so many modern technologies right Mm. when they built arcade games i mean they they didn't build them to last pinball machines i feel like are built to last arcade machines i feel like aren't but if you compare the way they were built compared to the stuff that's built now the stuff that's built now is basically built for obsolescence right like they literally want the stuff to die on the vine it seems like you know they don't want you to be able to repair it Arcade games, even though they only wanted them to run maybe a month, two months, three months, maybe a year max, they're still built with repairability in mind, yeah. which is always something interesting. It's like, you know, there's a reason why Atari released the book, right? The book right. is like your manual for fixing Atari games if you've never touched one, right? right? And so they were meant to be repaired, but so much of things, so many items nowadays, Tim, are not meant to be repaired at all. They're meant to be thrown away. And that makes me sad mm-hmm. because it, it not only does it make me sad because I like fixing things. I think fixing things is a good skill. It, makes, it gives you a better understanding of how things work but i also think it's sad because um we're throwing away all this stuff and just sitting up in landfills and just you know messing up the environment and it's like we need to stop doing that if we can if we can at least take the parts from things that we may not be able to fix and reuse the parts if nothing else then 
we're better our whole world is better off than than just throwing it in the trash right I agree. and so you know it's just planned obsolescence is a bad idea mm-hmm. period and so now with that said a lot of companies are getting away from that right and we're starting to move into i love right to repair tim and we posted some mm-hmm. stuff about right to repair because we do think that that should be a thing that people should be able to repair their own stuff and that they shouldn't be they shouldn't require like direct manufacturer intervention to fix things right because that's how arcade games are right like you I mean People could fix arcade games. You didn't necessarily need Midway's help or or Williams's help to fix an arcade game. In fact, they would give you all the tools to do it because they want you to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And so, because they know if that game's up, it's making money, and you're a happy customer. And if that game's down, it's not making money. You're not a very happy customer, right? Correct. So, I mean, it is what it is. And so, with all that with all that said, um, the fact that you know pinball machines and arcade games are built with repairability in mind is a really important thing to us, and we hope that more things will go that way. But this article kind of talks about pinball in particular and how we can't recreate pinball in a digital platform. People try, and it's okay, right? Yeah. But it's really more of a physical game, and that's what the article is really getting at, Tim, is like going back and comparing this physical game of pinball to all of this planned obsolescence and all of this digital stuff that we have now. There's a reason why pinball sticks out like a store thumb, you know, when you walk into a room, and right. it's because it's different than all the rest of the stuff that's out there. Video games can be replicated pretty well on, you know, phones, but, but pinball can't. Right, it's a, it, because of its physicality again. And so, if you haven't read the whole article, it's very interesting. It talks about repairability and people who repair pinball machines and some other things as well. So, highly recommend. Okay, Tim. Speaking of of paint, we talked about paint and there being right. Mortal Kombat Two under there earlier. Uh, Tim, one of our good friends, actually found something a little different under his paint. Do you want to? Why don't you take this one? Okay. And we'll just read an article here. It says, "Man's mystery purchase unveils stunning surprise." And there's a link there, too. Patrick Scott Patterson found an old arcade cabinet at an auction in Denton. The exterior displayed a game called Mr. Do, but Patterson said he knew it used to be something else. So he bought it, took it back to his warehouse. Patterson spent the entire month of May carefully wiping away the paint. By the time he finally removed the top layer of paint, he had uncovered the original artwork for Sega Samurai one of the rarest arcade cabinets in the world. Okay, now full disclosure, we're very good friends with Scott. We've been yeah. friends with and and Tim introduced me to Scott, but Tim and Scott go how far back, Tim? Um, probably uh, that'd be late nineties. Yeah, so I mean you yeah. guys go back like thirty years almost. Yeah, almost. So I mean, you know, but I and I I can't tell you how many arcade auctions we went to with Scott where I would just sit around and talk with him. He's such an interesting guy, good guy to um, to just, you know, shoot the breeze with and talk to. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, um, he had this thing nailed, I think, from the get-go, Tim. He mm-hmm. saw the cabinet. He knew he knew what it was, or at least had an idea of what it was, picked it up for a pretty good price, and ended up, you know, basically fulfilling his suspicion here and, and finding a wonderful Sega Samurai. Now, here's the thing about Sega Samurai, Tim. It's not really a fun game to play, <laughs> um, but it is pretty rare, rare. as all get out. Right, mm-hmm. exactly. In fact, uh, we I've never seen one. Ever. Like, ever. And we've seen, golly, Tim, what have we seen? Uh, we've seen a lot of arcade games. Right. We've been to a lot of auctions, Hardly a lot of shows. Very few that we haven't seen, probably right. on our hand. But Sega Samurai is not one that we've ever seen or played. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, just to show you how rare it is. And so, he's trying to sell it, Tim. He's asking top dollar for it, and he should, because, you know, it's really a collector's piece. And I hope it goes to somebody who will really appreciate it. Uh, but we want to applaud Scott for doing this, man, because it's a lot of work. And, Tim, 
he he did not use any chemical strip stuff. He literally just kind of went to town with just, you know, basically elbow grease and some soap and some stuff. He didn't want to damage the artwork underneath. So he's trying not to use some of the chemical, like, citrus strip stuff uh-huh. that we usually use because he was scared he might damage the underneath. But as you saw in that in that photo, Tim, it is beautiful. Yeah. Like, when he's got all done, it just looks remarkable. And so, um, again, just what a pickup. Great job, Scott. Uh, and like I said, Scott's been doing this for so long, Tim, at this point that he knows what to do. He knows sure. how to fix games, and uh, and you know. But we always like to see things that we haven't seen or rare things. You know, it's always good to see that. You know, and it's very rare that we see rare games now because a lot of times we think that most of them have been destroyed, right? And it's like games are only getting rare. And the fact that he could save this one and and restore it a little bit, pretty cool stuff. So. Um, Big D Retro uh, come back with our update Tim real quick he says after making adjustments on the image on Robotron shortly after the image went all color like initial startup would um, would get number error on CPU board the error did not happen on several power ups hmm check that power supply for sure um, and make sure you're getting good voltage there because if it's coming up with that error now you could have you could have some bad chips and stuff you may want to run through the self test on that as well but um, but you know check the voltage on that make sure you're getting good voltage up to that board so, uh, let's see what else we have here. Okay. I think we're good uh, as far as the live chat is concerned. And we have our last story here, Tim. And this is kind of heartbreaking in a way because, I mean, I, I saw this company's products. And, Tim, we haven't talked to talked about them a lot here. I think we've covered a couple of stories on them. But um, II Arcade, which is right. uh, basically another home arcade manufacturer, declares bankruptcy. Okay. And so we have the link here so where you can see it on Twitter. Um, II Arcade Inc. has sent a letter to its supporters stating that the company plans to declare bankruptcy. The company was known for their home arcade units that featured an online store where you could buy licensed games. The online store ceased operation on June 21st. Owners can no longer purchase games on their web store nor download already purchased games onto their system. Hopefully the mod community will be able to keep these cabinets alive. And Tim, um, when we started, when we first talked about II Arcade, I didn't know if the company really had a great business model. You know what I'm saying? Right. Because it's like, um, I understand the ability to buy games and everything, but, um, you know, buy, you know, digital games on this arcade platform and everything. I mean, there's, there's some appeal to that, but it just didn't seem like it was in it for the long haul, per se. They were selling their hardware really cheap at times, so cheap that I actually even thought about maybe buying one at certain points. But, you know, the pay for platform, I mean, now the people who have invested in this platform are basically up a creek, which yeah. really sucks. I think the mod committee has already started to do some modding to it that'll, you know, enable some emulation and stuff, which is really good. But um, it just, you know, you have to be really careful when buying into an ecosystem nowadays because sure. you just never know how long that ecosystem's going to be around, right? And then once they drop support for it, then you know it's like, man, it just really st- it stinks because mm-hmm. you're basically you spent all this money on games, and now you can't download those games again. You only can play what's basically available to you at this point, and so. Um, just kind of sad. I mean, I never want to see businesses go out of business. I mean, I don't even care if it's a business that I don't like. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, businesses going out of business stinks because every business is somebody's dream, right? Like every one of these businesses, there's somebody behind them that put up a lot of money, a lot of capital, or maybe some investors behind them who put up some money and capital. And then, you know, for it to go up like that is always a sad thing to me. Very so, sad. I mean, you know, so, um, you know, just I hate that uh, that they're going out of business, that they're having to declare bankruptcy. And for all you guys who have units out there, we're really hoping the mod community is going to step up and kind of give you the 
give you the opportunity to maybe run some email layers or some other things on those cabinets. So, but um, again, kind of a sad thing for those of you guys who invested in that platform, put some money into it and everything. But like I said, the mod community hopefully will step up and we'll get to see some good stuff. So, okay, Robbie J, what's the best way to take a layer of paint off a cab? Now, um, Scott just basically did it with some soap, water, and a lot of elbow grease. Right. So that's one way to do it. A citrus strip is a really good product, and for the most part, we haven't had it damage any underneath artwork. Right. So, um, and you can get that at like Home Depot, Lowe's, your favorite home improvement store, whatever one you want to go to. But citrus strip is good stuff, and so I, you know, if you want to use a chemical thing, that will save you a lot of um, a lot of arm pain if you use that, because it will help take off those layers of paint underneath that. that and a lot of times, like I said, it will not damage the original paint, which is really nice. Um, if you're worried about that, though, you're just going to have to kind of get to town on it. So, mm -hmm. you know, take a rag uh, and some soap and water and just kind of, you know, just kind of rub it as best you can. Kind of get it peeling a little bit. Like I said, when we would paint the cabinets, Tim, what would we use? Cheap, mm -hmm. Cheap. latex paint. Right. <laughs> and so, exactly. Cheap latex paint, as anybody knows, comes off pretty easy. You know, if you mm -hmm. just rub it really, really good, you can get that off of there. And so... You know, it's just up to you, though. Um, if you want to use citrus strip, that can. If somebody used tougher paint, like maybe an oil-based paint or something, sometimes citrus strip's a little bit better on that. It just really depends on on what what the operator, whoever owned the cabinet before you painted it with. So, any other suggestions for a paint removal? Tim? No, that's always our go-to. This is the citrus strip. There you go. So, Nate Berg, what would you suggest on saving PCBs from liquor spills? I have a crazy taxi at a bar, but someone spilled beer on the I.O. and fried it. What would you suggest to pre protect games from future spills? This is a tough one. Because uh, there's, I mean, if, look, if, if liquid gets on a game board and it was running at the time, it's pretty much fried. Okay, yeah. you're going to have to get it repaired. Or you got to repair it. Well, we've had some luck in the past at Chuck E. Cheese because you weren't you know, Chuck E. Cheese, you know, has all the tables and stuff around, so there's constantly games, drinks in the game room. Right. Um, so what we did on a couple machines that were suspect and stuff like that, especially sit-downs or something where it could actually pour in there, uh, we took a very, very, very thin uh, layer of, you can buy this plastic sheeting, uh, like at Home Depot or something, and uh, we would... I basically screw it into the wall and just let it drape over the PCB so that if anything hit it, it couldn't hit the PCB. And I'm talking about thin. Uh, so you don't want it to be adding heat, which is another problem you have to watch out for. But they make some plastic sheets that we did that with, almost not much thicker than a laminate sheet or something like that, if you can imagine it. But real flexible. So almost like, uh, almost like the kind of plastic. Would it be like the kind of plastic you'd use for like, um, like um, what? What's a little the, like for painting. Or yeah, something? I was about to say like. Paint. No, a little bit thicker than that. It's actually a plastic. Uh, maybe maybe I'll have to look it up. I'll send you a link or something. But uh, we actually what they used it for, or kind of think of it this way: if you've ever worked in a restaurant, there's those plastic sheets when you're going into a cooler, and you kind of have to separate the curtains. It's like that, but about. Um, less than half of that thickness okay there you go that's pretty cool yeah and you cover the plate that way anything that hit it where we where we would have the problem a lot of times i did that inside the bill changers that's where they were always getting drinks spilled up in there and they would run down because people would set their drink down and they would be putting their money in and the drink would spill 
have more room more, more than one like that and i put that stuff over it and it didn't happen anymore yeah tim worked at chuck e cheese when they had belt changers yeah, right. <laughs> so, exactly i remember the belt changers yeah so yeah but i think that's a great idea tim i didn't mm-hmm. even think about that so there you go good good, good input as always so uh, let's see. Um, Wii's 34 about a mispack with MCR power break. Will that work? Game was not running. It will work. Um, we talked about mispacks earlier, though. If you want to go power supply on a mispack, probably just go with Switcher. Mm-hmm. Um, on any kind of Pac-Man, typically putting a Switcher in there is fine. And it saves, like Tim mentioned, it saves the edge connector a lot. Because if you if you use like um, if you use like the original the original um, power uh, transformer that's in there, that AC voltage a lot of times will wear pretty hard on those pins. Now, the MCU, the MCR board that's in there is basically like a linear style switching power supply, right? Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, it's it's sending DC voltage more than likely to the game. And so, in a way, it already is a switching power supply. But you may want to you may want to take it out of there just because, I mean, there's no reason for it to be in there and it kind of doesn't go with the game. Uh, and just go with the traditional switcher because, I mean, it'll accomplish the same thing. But if you, I mean, if it's working, you said it wasn't working. If it was working, I'd probably leave the MCR in there. Mm-hmm. But if it's not, I'd probably replace it with a standard switching power supply. Okay. Yeah, so there you go. Uh, let, uh. Okay, and he says thinking about changing it out. Yeah, probably probably for the best. So. I think so. Okay. Well, Tim, I think we are all done here. Um, so let's just wrap it up real quick. We do have a programming note, Tim. And yeah. it's been a while. It's been a while since we've had to delay a live show. Yes. But the August live show will be delayed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's my fault. Um, I have. I am not going to be available for the next date. So the August live show, episode 78, will take place on the second Thursday, August 10th, at 5.30 p.m. Central due to scheduling conflicts. So the first Thursday night of almost every month, Tim. Right. Uh, so come back and join us on August 10th, 2020. 23 and i'll put a reminder out there on uh, the third tim which is supposed to be the first thursday mm-hmm. to let you guys know there will not be a live show it'll be on the second thursday this this month because i will not be available tim was here but i am not so and you know um it's getting close to the end of school tim we're trying to get some travel in and things like or beginning of school excuse me and so we're trying to get some travel in and stuff while the summer's still here like you mentioned summer's like halfway over yeah so let's get some like i get my travel in you know so, oh, Angelina's here, and she says Tim is the sexiest man alive. So <laughs> oh, there you Lord. go. <laughs> so there you go. <laughs> Pretty we got funny. some. We have some spam going on. There you go. I, I, well, you never know. Hey. Yeah. You never know. Um, so there you go, guys. August live show, seventy-eight second Thursday regular time though. Second Thursday regular time. And then, of course, we always want to remind you guys that we ha- we are always looking for your arcade-related videos. If you want some free advertising for your YouTube channel, we're looking for people to submit short videos, 10 minutes less, about arcade-related topics. Please send us a link to your video, questions at arcaderepairtips.com, and our staff will review it. If we like it, we'll use it during our one of our live show episodes. Make sure you put a plug-in for your channel so people will know where to find you. We look forward to seeing your submissions. And, Tim, we always open this up because we know there's a lot of people out there who have arcade-related channels that may be just on the verge of being monetized and so we want to help you guys out. If we can push a little bit of our audience over to y'all, we would love to do that. Okay. Now, Tim, I'm going to go ahead and come back here because I see a lot of activity here in the live chat. I just want to make sure we're not missing anything. Uh, Riggs Show says, having a pinball show on Sunday night. That's pretty cool. So you guys check that out. Um, Riggs Show, that's a channel you guys should be watching. He's got some great stuff over there, so make sure you're watching that. Uh, we had uh, Delusional here earlier, Tim. Delusional's mm-hmm. channel is very good. Uh, people, Tim, we'll say it. I've said it before. Say it again. People are always like, why don't you guys put out more content? And I would say there's so much good content out there already. You can check out some of these other channels. There's good stuff out there, okay? We're going to – me and Tim have very limited schedules. Mm-hmm. We're lucky we can even do one show a month. So, right. <laughs> um, But – 
um, guys like uh, Regzer Show and Delusional um, are putting out really great content that you should be checking out. And so if you're not watching us, we hope you will watch some of the other great YouTube channels that talk about arcade-related topics. So uh, let's see. Okay, there we go. Uh, oh, you see, Joe Joe is here. He says, cheers, guys. Came in super late. He's an HVAC tech, Tim. Oh, okay. Yeah, we were already talking about that earlier. So you're the one making all the money. <laughs> all right. So there you He's go. definitely busy this time of year Absolutely. So... Um, okay, so let me go ahead and put the contact information up here, Tim, for everybody so we can go ahead and get that out of the way. We do want to remind you that if you want to get in contact with us, the best way is through our email address at questions at arcaderepairchips.com, questions at arcaderepairchips.com. Send us an email there, and if you put live show on the subject, you'll get it mentioned on the show. That's typically how it works. Or we do hold back questions for the live show uh, if we want to cover them. So again, uh, send a, send your email to questions at arcaderepairchips.com, and we will get back to you one way or another. Uh, and Tim, if you don't hear back from us and you send an email there, send it again, because we do have a pretty aggressive spam filter. We mm -hmm. have to, because there's a lot of email that comes through there. So um, it may have gotten caught up in spam. If you don't if you don't get a reply from us and you're still looking for a reply, send us another email and let us know, so that way we can cover it on the next show. Uh, Razor Show says, no prize drawings, guys. I don't have anything here. Um, if I had something to give away, I would give it away. Um, Tim, do you have anything to give away? Um, I don't have anything. Hold on. We oh, got, okay. We, we, we got something. Oh, you have something? Well, because... Oh, uh, we'll keep that. We'll keep that for later. You need to keep that. I have it. Oh, okay. I have one like it. Oh, okay. But it, shirts are hard because of size. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Like, true. you never want to size it. Tim, Tim has a shirt, a brand new one that he wants to give away. But the thing is, is that yeah, never sizes size. are always weird. So um, we will we will not have a prize drawing this month. I'm sorry, everybody's so sad. Uh, we <laughs> will do it again next month, uh, especially since we're having to delay a week, Tim. Yeah. So we will have a prize drawing, we'll and it'll actually. be something good. Maybe Thanks it'll be for something. Asking. Yeah, maybe I'm going on a trip. Maybe it'll be something from my trip. Tim's going on a trip. Maybe it'll be something from his I trip. Am, maybe we'll figure so. out something. So <laughs> two prizes on the next show is what the regs are showing. Okay. So we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe we'll do that. Okay, guys, we have our YouTube channel at youtube.arcaderepairtips.com. Of course, all of these great people here in the live chat know where to find us on YouTube. But if you don't, and maybe you're listening to this on the question and answer podcast feed, the audio feed, you can go to youtube.arcaderepairtips.com to hear and see the video from this episode. And Tim, remember, we don't put the after show on the audio feed. And so if you're listening to this on the audio feed and you want to check out the after show, make sure you go to youtube.arcaderepairtips.com, look up episode 77, and do that at that time. And then, Tim, we do have the podcast feed. So, again, if you just want to listen to the audio feed from our question and answer podcast or you want to hear some of our interviews, some of our questions, uh, some of our other podcasts, question and answer podcasts, whenever Eric and Rusty ever decide to do that again, mm -hmm. they are on our podcast feed. And you can find that at iTunes.ArcadeRepairTips.com for iTunes. Uh, for iTunes users, we have our Spotify page at Spotify.ArcadeRepairTips.com for our Spotify users. And, Tim, I got a message from Stitcher which is owned by SiriusXM, that Stitcher Radio is shutting down. Ah. And we have directed you guys to Stitcher for years. Mm -hmm. And Stitcher is a very good platform, but SiriusXM bought it, and I think they're done with it. And hmm. so they are going to be shutting it down. You can still find us on Stitcher at stitcher.arcaderepairtips.com, but not for long, because I think it's going to shut down within the next month or two. Well. So um, find us on Spotify, find us on iTunes, or find us wherever fine podcast or aggregated, Tim. That could be in your favorite podcatcher, whatever it is. If you use, uh, I use Pocket Cast, Tim, that's my favorite, but maybe you use something else. If you search for Arcade Repair, you'll probably find us. So there you go. 
And then we have our social media feeds. We have our Facebook page at facebook.arcaderepairtips.com. We want to thank Mark for all of his wonderful contributions to our content. Mark, our community manager, he does a great job with that. And he does all that on Facebook at facebook.arcaderepairtips.com. We also have our Twitter feed at twitter.arcaderepairtips.com. Tim, we haven't joined any of the other um, Twitter alternatives yet. Blue Sky or what's the, right. what's the new one with Instagram? Threads. Threads. We haven't. No, we're not on Threads. Um, until another one gets enough users to be important, we're going to stick where we are. So we're on Facebook at facebook.arcaderepairtips.com or our Twitter feed at twitter.arcaderepairtips.com. We highly encourage you to sign up for one or the other or both. And that's where we post all the great news stories that we cover here on the live show. We have lots of great discussion on those. And Tim, I do think I got the cross-posting working between the Facebook page and the Twitter feed again okay. uh, for a reasonable amount of money. Um, it's not perfect, but it works. And mm -hmm. it keeps me from having to post again on Twitter. So um, it is working. So if something gets posted on the Facebook page, you should see it on the Twitter feed as well. So there you go. So again, Facebook, Twitter, find us, subscribe, do your thing. And we should also remind you that if uh, you feel so inclined to uh, give us five stars, go to the iTunes page at itunes.arcaderepairtips.com and do that. Because uh, that always helps us. You know, it helps our reach a little bit, right, Tim? Yeah. Helps us get uh, more eyeballs on the podcast. So there we go. Okay, Tim, well, I think we're, this about wraps it up for this episode. I want to go back to the live chat real quick just to see if we have anything else. Uh, let's see. Um, Joe says, when the ladies are hot, call me to fix their HVAC. Right. <laughs> there you go. Uh, let's see. Uh, there you go. Yeah, and we have, I mean, we've given away prizes in the past. It's just that I didn't even plan this month. I don't know. I've got, like, a whole prize bin over there I just need to dig stuff out of. Mm. So, um, and Tim, I got the coolest email, and I don't know if I can bring it up real quick, uh, from one of our winners this month. And I wrote him back, too. Let me see if I can find it real quick. We, uh, let's see. Too many emails. From Dan. So Dan wrote an email saying, Hi, Jonathan. I was reminded uh, I was reminded of this last month on June 11th, not too many weeks after receiving this handheld Pac-Man keychain. Simon was proud to hit the max score of 99,999 on this Pac-Man. And he gave me a photo of basically, it looked like his son, Tim. Uh, the Pac-Man keychain that we gave away, he mm -hmm. actually rolled it to the, the high score. Wow. So uh, congratulations. Mm -hmm. Cool email. I love getting that stuff. So it just shows you, Tim, people mm -hmm. win. Here, we do give away prizes, and uh, and so we just didn't give away one this month. <coughs> so there you go. Hopefully, that's not the only reason you're watching. Right. If you are, I'm sorry. So there you go. Uh, Tim, I think we're about ready to wrap this up. Let's talk about the after show. What do we got for the after show? Well, I imagine we're going to talk about a little bit of sports. We got a pretty good baseball team this year that we, we like to brag on. All-Star game's coming up. Uh, the All-Star game is coming up. We'll Independence Day. We'll talk about Independence Day. I'll give you a little bit more details on what went on. Tim will, too. On ours, we'll talk about uh, NBA drafts. You keep up with any of that? Yeah, time? a little bit. Okay, um, and we'll talk about some movies we've seen. Mm -hmm. uh, Tim, what's something? Give them one or two that you want to talk about here uh, in the in the after show. Um, I saw the Sound of Freedom at the movies. Uh, that's been a popular Jim Independence Cavizzo, right? Day. Uh, very good movie and uh, movie a show that I'm really liking right now is the Crowded Room. If you haven't seen that on Apple TV. We'll talk about that and some other stuff we've seen lately. So, and I watched uh, Big George Foreman, Tim, oh, and which good. I'm going to talk about Blackberry as well. I've seen both of those, and we're also going to talk about Muscles and Mayhem, which is the uh, American Gladiators documentary. We can really talk good. about yeah. that. So, um, if we'd love for you guys to stay in the after show, of course, the after show is just like this show, except any topic goes. And so we'll be talking about TV shows, movies, events, and la also talk about Tim that um, I became a concert promoter overnight last time. Mm -hmm. We'll talk about how that concert went. So it'll be very interesting if you want to hear about that. So, 
But other than that, guys, we hope that you have a great rest of your July. We look forward to seeing you back here on August 10th. 10th, wow. 2nd, Thursday of the month at 5.30 p.m. Central Time for our next live show. And until then, we want to say that we hope you have a great July. And remember here at Arcade Repair Tips, when you fix the game, we play the game. Take care, everybody, and we'll see you in the after show, or we'll see you next month. Thank you for watching this episode of the Arcade Repair Tips live show. All of our past episodes are available on our website at ArcadeRepairTips.com or on our YouTube page. This show is intended for entertainment and educational purposes only. Please consult a professional before attempting to repair any coin-operated machines yourself. The preceding program is a Varcade Entertainment production.